Maddie, yeah. when I say team, I treat my team of listeners like I want to treat any team or athlete or coach or person where I, I aim to maybe inspire them or, or assist them in their journey. So I know by bringing a guest like you, Paddy, onto this show is going to help someone. And as you know, that's why you coach, um, but that's what the podcast seems to do. It's helping people, it's inspiring people. But for me to have you on the show today is, is uh, an international first over online. Uh, we recently met Paddy at the Leaders in Sport uh, conference at Twickenham, and I always say on this podcast as well, some of the best learnings you ever do are when you sit and have a coffee or a meal or a beer or a red wine or whatever it may be, but just a chat. And we did. We sat there at lunch and we actually skipped one of the lectures because our chat was so good. So I've been dying to get you back on the show and I encourage any listener to just just talk to other coaches. I traveled the world as you do, meeting other coaches. And that chat we had, we had, we had Matt Pete from Wigan Rugby League as well at the table. So we had, we had Paddy Talley, the head coach of the championship winning Irish Gaelic Football League. Um, the team's called Kerry, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we had Matt Pete from Wigan Rugby League. We had, in and amongst that, I might have jumped up to quickly shake the hand of Ben Ryan, the Fiji, famous Fiji Sevens coach who, who's now uh, working in football in England. And in, in this room, there's just people everywhere. But for some reason, and there's people from Australia, there's people from America, they were everywhere. I, for some reason, me and you ended up together. I don't know if it's our, like our style, um, but it was a great chat. And I want to really, know, I just want to share that with listeners. So. Yeah. First of all, maybe a quick intro to your journey and and where you're at, if you wouldn't mind sharing that. Good man. Well, Hayden, listen, firstly, thank you so much for inviting me on to your podcast. Um, just go back to that meeting, it was a pure chance. The reason I ended up at that table was the only seat left when I was walking around with a plate of food. And I just sat down to see these two big men, and one, on one side was a, was a rugby guy, and the other side was, was Matt Pete. And and just we just started talking, and then you walked past. You started talking to Matt, and then we pulled up a chair, and we spent, I'm sure, must have got seven hour and a half, just having a real good conversation. And and I, I probably it was it was a highlight of my two days, was that that time spent with you and Matt. It really was, was fantastic, and uh, we clicked it off. That we were bouncing ideas of each other, and really I I really enjoyed that time. So I'm a, I'm like yourself. I do travel and, and try and meet people that I can learn from. Um, but sometimes it was pure chance that we ended up sitting down and having that conversation, but it was, it was meant to happen. And, and this is a fantastic follow-up and I'm, I'm just delighted to be to be here. I suppose um, my background is I'm, I'm the head coach of the, the Kerry senior football team. And this year we had a, a championship winning year. We, we won actually the, the two main competitions are the, the National Football League and we won it. And the other competition is the National Football Championship, was the, known as the All-Ireland, and we won it as well. So we, we did the double this year. Uh, it, happens, it happens a few times when a team's at the top, and we, we were lucky enough that this year we, we were able to, to achieve both of those, which is really satisfying. I, I just got appointed head coach last um, November, 
so that was my first first year with the team, and it worked out worked out well. So um, no pressure next year. <laughs> no pressure next. Year. <laughs> only certainly. <laughs> yeah, they'll be de- they'll be demanding the same again next year. Make no mistake about that. That's just the way they are. Now. Yeah. So my background. So Patty, you. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to ask to share, maybe before the background, just share how big this sport is in Ireland. Uh, until now, I'm sure the, the listenership will go through the roof in Ireland. Um, but until now, all the listeners of this show, are, the, the stats tell us that there's a lot of obviously Australian, uh, English, mm-hmm. American, New Zealand. I forget what the fifth country was, but Ireland has never made the list until today, I'm sure. So could you share this sport, how big it is? Because I was fascinated. Like you were telling me at lunch that you you play in front of 85,000 people for this final. Like, could you just share quickly how big this sport is in Ireland? Yeah, it's, it's massive. Well, Gaelic, Gaelic, Gaelic games are a national sport. We have, and the two games we play is hurling and football. Hurling's the game played with the sticks and, and the small ball. And then with the Gaelic, Gaelic football was played with this, basically the same size as soccer ball, only it's a different weight, slightly heavier, a bit harder, you know, in terms of texture. Uh, it's not a million miles away from AFL, you know, in, in terms of the, the lot of the same skills are there in the game. In fact, I think it was maybe the Irish boys that started the AFL out there years ago when they arrived out. And they a hybrid between rugby and Gaelic football and end up AFL. So I think they, they, they connect, we show a lot of the same skills, same high catching, um, carrying the ball, kick the ball from the hand, um, you know, we fist passing the ball, it's, it's quite similar to the AFL. So a lot of the rules are quite, quite similar, but we have a two th- roughly about 2,400 clubs in Ireland, uh, spread with, as a small country, but we have 2,400 Gaelic, Gaelic football clubs, or Gaelic clubs. So it's massive, like it, it reaches, goes into Imagine. every, yeah, every, Every small parish, every parish will have at least one club, maybe two clubs. And like my parish here is the parish of Donnick Moor, but my club is Galbally. We're in the on the northern end of the parish, and another club is three miles down the road. So that you can imagine the rivalry there in those two clubs. But that's the same rivalry goes yeah. throughout Tyrone. So in our in our county of Tyrone here, we have forty eight clubs, and we are one of thirty two counties. But some of the other counties may have over a hundred clubs. So it's it's really really big. As, then it's played at school level, university level. And when you play your club, and, and if you're selected from your club to represent your county, so, you know, so for example, the Kerry team, which is the pick of all the best players in Kerry, um, from all their clubs, are, uh, you go through to play, represent your county team, and then the counties play against each other in the, in the National League and in the All-Ireland Series. So it's, um, it's pretty big. You mentioned the crowds there. Uh, a regular club championship match here in Tyrone would take in between seven and 10,000 people in a club game. Uh, and then on a county level, 18 to 20,000 at league matches. And then when you go to a championship, you go into 30, 40, 50, and right up to 80, 82,500 is the, the capacity of Crow Park. So towards the latter stage of the season, you're playing in access of 60,000 plus in all the games and the finals be up, up over 80,000. So it's, it's pretty, pretty special. You know, pretty special. It's huge. Yeah. I, I'm actually uh, since we met, I'm going to start. I'm going to start watching, uh, searching, following your career. That's for sure. 
you do mention some players have come to Australia and there was a rugby league club I worked at once, the Sydney Roosters, where uh, Ty Keneally, yeah. uh, an Irishman, he, he was helping them. He was helping them with, with his skills. Uh, yeah. His AFL, well, obviously it started with you guys and then he went to AFL with the Sydney Swans and, and he's doing some fantastic things out here in Australia, away from sport as well. Um, fascinating man, but really enjoyed seeing what he could offer. And I actually think you should be planning a trip to Australia because uh, at some stage uh, you have a lot to offer uh, our sports as well. So yeah. maybe put that in the calendar. Um, but what has, how, did you, how did you get to coaching? Because another fascinating part about you, your sports science background, you worked with teams in the strength and conditioning, you worked with teams in the sports science, you've, you uh, you still work at a university, is that right? Yeah, and I'm you've also then yeah. yeah. Yeah, sorry. So my so my, my, so my, uh, my background is I, I, I studied. I started off being a PE teacher, so I studied to be a PE te- physical education teacher in, in schools, and I was and I then went on to further study at master's level, and then I started in two thousand and four. I started lecturing in university. So I've been lecturing in university right up until uh, last year, where I took a I took a career break. I had, had 25 years of teaching finished, so I decided to take a, a career break. So I'm on my second second year of my career break at the moment, um, and I'm full time working now on, on, on coaching. Uh, but my background was phys- physiology, psychology, and um, and biomechanics. It was the three areas I, I taught in within the courses, and a lot of the sports science based on that. Um, and then I was applying a lot of that research and that work in coaching teams and coaching athletes. So it was a nice natural fit from one thing to the next. Uh, so around about when I was about 20, 29, I was approached to what I come in and coach and, and do a lot of training with my own county team. And I was, I was relatively young at the time. I, I was still playing for my club, and, uh, but I was asked to come in to coach the team and, and that was in 2003. And that year, we the following year, then we won our first All Ireland, All Ireland 2003, which was the first time Throne had done that, which was a massive thing for our county. We'd never done it before, and I, I was, I was, I think I just turned 30 when we won that, so I was pretty young in the game, um, to be coaching. But it, it really was a fantastic experience, and and since that, I've been really involved at at high level, uh, between coaching, um. County, I've worked with a few different county teams and I've worked at the university, the NC Mary's University College in Belfast where I lecture. We, we competed at the highest level of college, university football too. And I was, I was coaching that team all through that 18 years or whatever it may have been. So my journey has been very much based on learning, on, on, on uh, taking the best of the research I was doing and the teaching methodologies and coaching philosophies and developing my own way of doing things really. and, and I had a perfect, um, I had a perfect sample group with with students, whether I was able to work with the students for a year, and whether it's in in the teaching environment or whether it's in the sports environment or coaching environment, and I was able to try lots of different things out with them. And then when I was able to felt confident with them, I bring them on to work with the with the high level team. So I, I was in a really privileged position, uh, here, and I really really enjoyed that. And I was allowing them myself to, to develop myself as a coach. Plus, I was, I was pitching myself against the best coaches in our country, basically year on year. And you learn an awful lot from from doing that as well. So it's been a 
the journey so far has led me to Kerry, and, and Kerry asked me to get involved. Kerry would be the most successful. Kind of, you mentioned you mentioned Tig Kennelly there. Tig would be a, a, from Kerry, and he won he, he won All Ireland with Kerry as well. Um, but uh, they they would be really the top of the tree in, in terms of, of Gaelic football in Ireland. So to be asked to come in and coach that team was been a really really special for me. For me. Awesome. You are. You said a couple of words there. Patty, you said develop your own coaching philosophy. What, what is that? Because I would encourage anyone to obviously we keep learning off different people, which uh, we both have done, but develop your own philosophy. What, what is your philosophy? Yeah, this is, this is a brilliant question. And when you, I, I, it's a, cause I, I did a presentation at a conference there two weeks ago and the, they asked me to do a presentation on my coaching philosophy. When I, so when I sat down to prepare the presentation, I realised that I haven't actually settled on on my philosophy yet. It's very difficult because I think your philosophy evolves as you evolve as a coach. You know, there's things that that I look back on now and I say, God, I couldn't, I can't believe I actually did them because I think to myself that wasn't really me. But I have to go through those things to learn to be actually what I am now, you know, be more settled and content in what I am. So you make lots of mistakes along the way. There's a, I, I always use a quote in, in my presentation to even the students, Mike Boyle, the functional strength coach from, from, the, from Boston, he, he, uh, Mike Boyle Fitness, he, he's a brilliant uh, presentation one time and his title was 20 years of mistakes. And I thought to myself, I was a, from somebody who's the top Functional, one of the top functional strength coaches in the world, he, he used the title 20 years of mistakes. And I think actually I'm a wee bit like that. I always look and say it's taken 20 years nearly to get to where I am. I made lots of mistakes as well. Um, but I suppose my philosophy would be very much on, on connection. I, I, I'm a massive believer in connection of the group, of the strength of the group. Um, I, I feel that when, sometimes when when the game's in the melting pot, the, this team that are more connected can, will be the team maybe that will will trust each other more in those clutch moments. And you, the only way you can do that is by developing a very, very strong bond among the players. So to underpin everything I do, I look at connection as, as first thing, really strong connection. And then with that comes honesty and, and hard work and always want to improve, always looking for areas to improve. So whether it's me coaching or why I have coaches with me, are they, I'm always encouraging them to improve, testing them, challenging them, and then we in turn challenge the players. And I know when I have it right, when the players are challenging each other. So that's when I know that the thing is right, when the players really start challenging each other in, in, in the training field, in the, in the analysis, when they're really going at each other hard, I know these guys are, are ready. So. But it takes time to build that trust. It does, and you, you've just said a few words that I always, I'll try to go back after. I, I could listen to you all day, but I'm, like I say, I'm always thinking, how can this help the listener? And if, if, if we could emphasize that again, the connection piece. So any team that I've worked with or any players, they, they know me and you now, they know we're very similar. Because the most connected team mm -hmm. wins. Simple as that. On the big day. On the big day. 
the most connected teams will defend the best. So I've never watched your team play, but I dare say, hearing your values now, I am predicting that you have a good defensive team. Yeah. Probably a good attacking team as well, because you need to be connected as well. But, but the, best, the most connected teams defend the best. Mm-hmm. You then mentioned the word trust, but you, before that you said how you have players that keep each other accountable. You have players that drive that, but to get that environment, you have to get the trust bit first as a yeah. foundation. And it seems like you've got the magic is really happening there at, at Kerry because of that value. I, again, I haven't even watched one of your games, but I can, I can feel it in what you value. I can feel it. Even the, the background story there with you saying how you're constantly learning and involved. I, I remember one of the first things you did, you sat me down and you wanted to pick my brains about rugby league. <laughs> and I thought, this Irish guy is interested in rugby league. But then I realized what you wanted to know about was some of the teams, how they back up from one premiership to the next yeah. premiership. Yeah. And then I went, aha, uh-huh. oh, hang on, where are you from? Kerry, oh, you won last year. Ah, so you already were trying to learn. You were trying to find just something you could maybe take away to help you go back to back, which I'm going to have to introduce you to a coach in Australia who has done that and I'll connect you two and you two can have a chat. Uh, But the word trust, the word connection was really powerful then in what you said. So for the listeners... I mean, because a lot of people are worried about X's and O's and this and that and yeah. training schedule plans and sports science numbers and how many meters you run. And yeah. I mean, everything's important, but the most important thing you've worked out over 20 years in coaching uh-huh. is connection. So thanks for sharing that. I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Patty, you mentioned a couple of key values um, when we're away. You, you actually mentioned purpose. Mm-hmm. Autonomy. Am I yeah. right? Remember this. Yeah. You said purpose, autonomy, and mastery. Yeah. Can we just go there? Because if people remember three things from you today, well, they they're already going to remember connection. Um, they're already going to remember you got a stylish hair hairstyle. But um, purpose, autonomy, and mastery stuck out to me when we met in England. Could we share that? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 suppose like the way, and this is something quite recent that I've come across. Not not not, not that we weren't aware of it, but probably really started focusing on it. Um, and I think it's to do a lot with actually the way, the way you know. I don't know what age you are, but I'm I'm heading for fifty next year, and I remember when I was playing say 20, 20, 25 years ago, even when I was 18, say 30 years ago or what, um, you know, life was a lot simpler. Um, I, I, we didn't, ex- we certainly didn't expect as much. You know, if we, if I go back to when I was 18, uh, living, living where I live in, in this part of Ireland, like foot sport was, was an escape from a lot of the stuff was going on. You know, there was, there was a conflict going on. There was a lot of things happening. So sport really meant the world to us all because it was our, it was our nearly our, let's say, come the weekend, the game was the place you went to get away from what, what was happening a lot of the time. So sport meant so much and still does, but a lot of the foundational Gaelic games was, 
was this place where you're safe, you know, you, you get away from the, whatever's happening in the world, and especially in our own country at that time. So when we were younger, like we didn't, you didn't really expect an awful lot. You just, you just, you know, whatever was, you, whatever you were presented with, you took it with both hands and you didn't ask for too much because you knew it wasn't there. But I've noticed this last 20 years, let's say from the, since, since they say the turn of the millennium, the young people now are different. They, they expect an awful lot more. Um, they, they nearly, I don't say they, they think they're entitled to it, and maybe some think they are entitled to it, but definitely there's a different attitude to what, what drives them. So in our time, when we were younger, just the fact of putting on the jersey and just the fact of playing was a great thing. But nowadays, I think that they have to, motivation has moved slightly. So when I was researching this whole research and what, what really will, will help an athlete get better, I do three things that really stuck out in my mind were those three phrases that firstly, that there has to be a purpose. An athlete has to feel they have a, they have a purpose within themselves, why they, why they undertake this choice and, and, and commit themselves to their sport. So there has to be a purpose for them. That purpose has to fit into the overall purpose of the team. So there's two parts to that. So that's one aspect I think that that we have to emphasize. There's a reason why you do this, and there's a reason. And remember, like Gaelic games is an amateur sport. It's not a professional sport. So you got to get up in the morning, go to work, and you have to go to college, and you have to study, and you have to make a career for yourself. So you have to give up your time away from all that just to play your sport and commit to it. So. That's that was important. The second thing, the second thing then was was autonomy, and the other, then I really thought this is important as well because within every team we always say you know we're together, we're a group, but within that there's so many different individuals who have different backgrounds, they have a different story to tell, they have all sorts of different um, reasons why they're there, they have different experiences that have got them there, and I think the individual has to be has to be really respected within the team and you can't expect everybody to think the same way all the time obviously we need to have a purpose in how we're going how we're going to play the game and how to commit but you have to respect the individual and i think even now with the way society's moving with with the different we're, we're much more diverse we're much more um inclusive so we need to be aware of that and make sure we're not leaving anybody out you know so we use the i use the phrase nobody gets left behind here you know, nobody is left behind in this group, and I think it always works well. You know, no matter what we're doing, nobody is left behind, and and that's the, making sure the individual is always is kept right. And the final thing is mastery, because everybody wants to be the best they can possibly be within their the remits of their limitations. So having having a really clear um, understanding of the firstly, the athlete has to know that the limitations a lot of time are self-imposed. And I really believe that athletes are they they self-impose their limitations because this they can do. I always believe you can do so much more if if you really stretch yourself to it. And one way of doing that is try to achieve mastery. You try that they become really really good at the job they're supposed to do. Not trying to do ten jobs, but trying to do one job really really well. A, a businessman, a friend of mine, said to me a number of years ago when he, he's a very successful uh, accountancy firm and he made up a couple of hundred staff. And his first meeting when a new apprentice comes in would say, Do one job really, really well. 
and dedicate yourself to becoming a specialist in that area. And I thought to myself, that makes so much sense in our game because we have different positions in the pitch and and you know you're going to play, a bit like rugby, you know you're going to be a centre or you're going to be a night half, you're going to be a winger. Become really, really good at that job and, and learn the yeah. skills of it out. And, and so that's that's where the mastery comes in. So I think it fits into the modern, the contemporary athlete, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. The motivation isn't about, let's get stuck in, we'll do it for the team. And, you know, we'll do it, we, we have to do it for the, obviously do it for the team, but there's much more to it than that. So when you're working with athletes over the course of a season, you just can't keep beating the one drum all the time. It's about the team. It's about, it, has, it has to be more than that. So that's where, yeah. that's where that comes in. No, I appreciate that because I remember we chatted about this when we first met because um, you were asking me about a recent experience or time I, that, that I had with a very successful club. And it was amazing that, I mean, you used the word purpose and I used the word vision and yeah. um, what it means to a, a player. And, and then the team has its own vision or purpose, and but you have to understand each player's one. And then yeah. we talked about autonomy, and, and it was fascinating because the head coach of the Penrith Panthers that you're, you were asking me about, he he's really big on having a place where players feel safe and yeah. it's psychologically safe and and respected and be themselves like there's so many different individuals in that team and that and then when we talk about mastery some of the stories that we shared on different players and coaches and the detail and, and you know some of the players that we were talking about from the Penrith Panthers honestly uh, they've just been to three grand finals in a row and won the last two which is why I'm going to connect you with Ivan Cleary about backing up um, but the similarities between your program and their program, and it was no wonder why, and also what you value about being connected, and yeah. it was no wonder why you're at the top of your game over there and they're at the top of their game here. But an interesting thing for the coaches out there, because you just said mastery, we both encourage players to do exactly what you just said, become a master at their job. But a head coach's job, you need to be a master across a lot of things. Yeah. And, and it only comes, I believe, with time. Mm -hmm. um, you've had 20, or 20 years of time to develop. But nobody can say to you, just be the best at one thing because you have to care about the physical side, the mental side, the, the team cohesion side, the leadership side, the technical game the managing personality, like you have to be a master at a lot of things. Yeah. Advice to that young coach now who sometimes are a little bit in a rush to get where they want to go. Like my advice, if they're listening to me, even though the show is about you today, my advice is take time and develop your real, your true philosophy that may have, you know, you've even just said it. it. It took a bit of time to develop that. Do you have any advice to that young coach? Yeah, and really good question. And and I've seen it so many times. Here, what you've said there is the is the young coach that wants to go in too early, without the experience. And I've seen it a number of times here too, where you see a young coach taking on a, a job that they're just not ready for, and it it can devastate them, and it knocks them back. 
an awful long way. Um, so you have to put the time in. Yeah, you got to be really reflective. You know, you got to be. We talk about in teaching as being a reflective practitioner. You know, you're constantly reflecting on your practice. It's a term we use an awful lot in, in teaching terms. Um, being a reflective teacher, so you're always examining yourself. You're always examining your your methods, your your strategies, and how you go about it before you even look at anybody else. The first thing you always ask the question: How did I do today? You know, and and before, like, you know, uh. One of the things we, 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 we really, we never blame, I'd never blame a player, you know, for, for making a mistake or making an error, unless first have we done the right job first? Have we spent enough time yeah. with them? And, yeah. have we done it right? and that, that to me is really important because it, you know, if, if a player makes a mistake and you, 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 they knock their confidence a bit and they're a bit down, Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe the fact you haven't really explained it or coached them the way you want them to do it. And I think it's unfair to put that onus on them. So um, I'm a big believer in reflecting and practice as much as we possibly can. Um, and if for any young coach out there, do take your time. Read. And I love, I'm a big reader. I, I love reading books. Now, some some of the stuff I read at times, and like I, I have a book in my office. Jeez, and I look back at it, and it, it's a book I picked up in a bookshop one time. It's, it's absolutely nothing to do with sport. It's actually, you believe it, it's, a it's the tale of an undertaker, <laughs> But this guy, and, it, and the, the, the title of the book struck me as his body's, body's at rest. But it was whole, his whole philosophy about peace, about fighting peace. And he's an undertaker who spent his time dealing with dead people. And I was going, what's this about? But I remember reading the book thinking, there must be something in this here about how to get peace. And I found a few nuggets in it about people getting calm about how to be calm in situations where everything's just bad, but there's also there's always something there to learn from it as well. So I read stuff like that and say, can you apply it? I also read really good stuff from other coaches' books that they've, they've published themselves. And I just after finishing a book there from Pete, Pete Carroll's book, um, really, really good book. Like, you know, I know it was published maybe 10 years ago, but it's the Win Forever yes. model he uses. And it's, oh, it's, it's super stuff. And he's, he's yes. just as fun to me too. And, and I like bits like stuff like that. I remember picking up stuff there from Pat Riley when he was the coach of the Lakers years ago, and back 20 years of reading a book of his, The Winner Within, and seeing the wee nuggets there. So I was constantly reading and then applying it, and then using the science stuff too to back up the, the real hard stuff in terms of the sports science. But I, I, I was always very careful never to push something that I wasn't 100% sure of or confident that it would work. Because if it doesn't work, then you know, then I felt as if it could it could knock the team back. So it was careful, small, small bits at a time, and just build it gradually over time. Um. So, um, my my advice is just take your time, take your time. You know, you learn about yourself, learn your best best methods of how you do it best yourself, and and, and you will find that the 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 philosophy or the, the methodology that will suit you best. Uh, given and, and don't be afraid to try things, but be wary that. You know some things will not work out and you're going to have to retract and, and do it differently like yes could i finish with uh how much fun you have like you seem like you want your teams to have fun and we did talk about it, it it's a sport where yeah they're making a lot of sacrifices but yeah. to create that environment that they want to be a part of you want them really enjoying turning up turning up yeah. and being a part of your team. 
yeah. that's a big value of yours is enjoying your work. Yes, it's it's so so important, and I I learned I learned this probably more from my um, university students than than anything. I I watch my university. We like, sorry to give you the background to our college. We have a college in Belfast. It's about there's eight hundred and fifty full time students in the college. Of the, of the eight hundred and fifty, about say about six hundred, six say about five fifty are female. So we have about about three hundred male students in the entire college. That's all we have, and we've they work over four years of degree, but we compete. We can get a team out of that that can compete at the highest level of university sports. But those out of that three hundred male students, that's all we have. But every year we bring them in, and these young boys come in in September, and they're just they just mad to play football. They want to play. They want to play, and they're some really good. But they, they wouldn't be. They're not scholarship. We don't have any money to give them. You know, we don't do any scholarships. They just they want to be teachers. They want to be PE teachers and they want to be do other subjects as well. And uh, but we make sure that they have serious fun. And and the best what we do is we, we make sure that when they come in, they, they learn about the environment and they enjoy each other's company. And I, I watch those guys competing for year on year at the top level division one sport against the big the universities with thirty thousand students and beating them on a regular basis. And it makes no sense. But the one thing that the connection is, is the fun and the connection they have. And I said to myself, if you could take that environment and put it into a, a top level team, you wouldn't be beaten because now you have the quality and, and all you got to do is get the connection. So the, a, lot of the, the, a lot of the connections based around fun activities, spend time, like sitting, having a coffee, you know, having time together, getting away from the seriousness of the sport and just spending time in each other's company. When they come in to us, we make sure the training sessions are good crack, plenty of pranks, plenty of messing about. You know, we, we do we do pick guys that we know will always add fun to the environment and we give them a role within it as if they could be the guy that takes them all out at night. You know, these are the party yeah. animals, the boys will lead the charge to the pub after the match. And they, they, they keep the club going, but they also they also are the guys that will be the first man at training and they'll be the last man leaving. And we, we try and create that environment where it's enjoyable, you know, because it is a big sacrifice and, and we, we're aware of that. I, I tell you what, you I mean, I could talk to you all night, Paddy. Uh, I know it's late at night in Ireland. You just mentioned you give players a role to lead that, yeah. which is another whole topic leadership there's so many ways you can lead a team there's that yeah. that social guy that energy guy then there's yeah. the guy that's leading in the the training standards and the, like you mentioned at the start of this episode where you talked about players driving it and keeping each other accountable and then right at the top end of this chat you've spoken about you even have players leading that social side and that connection side that's really come out in this and you mentioned they might go for coffee, but what are you drinking there? Because that wasn't a coffee. I wish I was having a beer with you now, mate, but it's it's early morning it's, here. You see the name on the glass? It's there it is. It's, but, it's, but it's only water. <laughs> oh, look. Look. Well, you're back at work. I know. You've been on holidays for a week. You're back at work. Today was your first planning day with your staff. I really appreciate you staying up late at night in Ireland to share some wisdom mate it, it is priceless wisdom you are one of the best coaches i've ever met i only spent 
one and a half hours with you at lunch and honestly we we need to get you to australia mate you uh and write your own book by the way because i'm like you i've read all the same books we that's why we just connected we shared so many similarities yeah and but i want to read yours brother <laughs> well uh, that, that'll be my next project when i when i stop coaching but i don't, I don't know when that's going to be i don't think i'll be coaching okay. something for a while it's it's um it's too enjoyable Hayden. too enjoyable okay thanks for your time mate you're a great man yes, thanks so much for coming on listen you have a you have a really good day okay and thanks everybody for for listening They're really nice to be there Thank you.